Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, it is Black Friday. It's Black Friday edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. So sit back, enjoy. Uh, Hopefully you're out of your food coma. And we have a great show for you. We have uh, Matt Weston from the Battle Red blog. He's coming on to talk about uh, the Patriots-Texans matchup. Battle Red blog, of course, would be the SB Nation version of, uh, well, for the Texans, I should say. And, uh, and we also discussed last week's win against Dallas in the monsoon that, that was uh, last weekend. And also what lies ahead for the Patriots and for the AFC moving forward for the rest of the season. It's a great show. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's So welcome for everyone who is here and anyone who's listening uh, or watching after the fact or listening after the fact. Welcome. Uh, this is the Patriot Nation podcast, episode 54. Back in the back in the seat here, Pat Lane, uh, as always, joined by my co-host Ryan Spagnoli. Spags, how we doing, man? We're doing well. How about yourself? Glad to have you back, Pat. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I uh, Not 100% yet, but I'm getting there, you know? We love so, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, so tell you what, I feel a lot better after that win. I was a little nervous about about this week, uh, just going into it, you know, with the weather and everything else. And and the Cowboys, you know, look, they have a ton of talent everywhere on the field. And I think you heard Jerry Jones after the game talking about how he's so disappointed, and I, I think that's a whole other issue. But like, they have a ridiculous amount of talent pretty much everywhere on that on that team. They should be a lot better than they are. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was weird to his comments. I mean, dude, like it, it's, and that's one thing that the Patriots have been great at, you know, and, right. and that's Belichick talked about it when he came in, Robert handles the business side of things and Bill handles the football and right. Jerry, you know, you're, you're an owner for a reason. You're not a coach. Yep. Uh, I didn't appreciate his comments. I mean, everybody knows Jason Garrett is underachieved there and probably has had a too, too long of a leash for a long time. Yeah. Um, but there's no need for comments like that. Like, come on. No. Well, the, the fact is, I mean, it's a very simple fact as far as I'm concerned. The fact is, is that the Cowboys will never win at the level that they're capable of because Jerry Jones is bigger than the team. 
And, you know, Bill Belichick isn't bigger than the team, and Robert Kraft isn't bigger than the team, but Jerry Jones is. Right. No one's bigger than the team, right, here in New England. And in most places, no one's bigger than the team. But in in Dallas, it's the Jerry Jones show. And if you don't like it, well, that's too damn bad. And so he'll never hire someone like Bill Belichick because Belichick will never go for that. So he's always going to have some sort of puppet who's always willing to cede to whatever whatever Jerry wants to do. And as long as that's the case, they will never win again because they just don't. I mean, they have look at all the talent they have right now. They have tons of talent, but it just doesn't matter because the other teams in the league are better are better coached than they are. Like Dan Orlovsky said, they have a top five. They have a, like eight different positions with a top five player. Quarterback this year, Dak Prescott is playing at a top five quarterback level. He's an MVP candidate yeah. at least before that game. No right. argument. Ezekiel Elliott, Leighton Vander Esch, and Sean Lee at linebacker. You know, you got Byron Jones at safety, Amari Cooper on the outside. Yep. I mean, the list goes on. The, it's unbelievable. Six and five in a trash division like that yeah. is a super underachieved. And all that Jerry Jones was saying is completely true. But there's no reason to go out and shout that out to the media. That shit, you know, that stuff should happen behind closed doors, you know. Right. And obviously, that's an issue we don't want to get into. <laughs> We're a winning franchise no, no. over yeah, here. Yeah, of course, right. But it's obviously, you know, Definitely, we definitely should touch upon it. But I know we broke down the game a little bit Sunday night on the instant reaction show for a quick yep. 15, 20 minutes. But uh, to kind of reiterate what we talked about, I mean, it's defensive show again. I mean, Stephon Gilmore, that was one of the best quarterback plays I've ever seen. Uh, Amari Cooper is a top five receiver, one of the best route runners, you know, and, and it's and it's great. I mean, the only one that's had some sort of success versus Gilmore has been DeAndre Hopkins. Just be, I mean, it, right, a little bit. DeAndre Hopkins, ton, he's gonna, but... yeah, no. I mean, he, they, I think in the two games since he's been in New England, he's gone for like seven and eight with like around seventy-five to eighty yards. Hasn't allowed a touchdown person, so that's right. good. I mean, but it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's gonna get his because he's just gonna get fifteen to sixteen targets a game. Like he's yeah. gonna get his, but it's limiting that play, that big play, and he does a great job with that. Well, and I think that that's what the Patriots are so good at. You know, if you watch the game last week. Uh, against Indianapolis, that's one of the things that they're that they do so well is hit that big play, and they have Will Fuller and they have Hopkins, and that's how they beat you is with those big plays. And the Patriots just don't allow that to happen. And so Will Fuller can do whatever he wants and all run down the seam and do this and do that. It just doesn't make a difference because the Patriots are going to shut that down. I think I, I read a stat. I believe uh, this year when targeting Gilmore, I think the uh, quarterbacks have thrown six interceptions and one touchdown. I believe uh, is the stat. So it's just, I mean, it's a losing proposition. And at this point, I know that you're number one receiver, but at this point it's almost like, let's just go somewhere else. I mean, like, yeah. what are we going to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and then you obviously factor in the job that, you know, the Devin McCourty's had an all pro year, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower was everywhere on Sunday. I thought that was one of his best games of the year. Right. Uh, John Jones in the slot. And then obviously you factor in guys like Pat Chong and, Jason McCourty, JC Jackson too. I mean, they, I think he's got the low, one of the lowest passer ratings allowed for opposing quarterbacks, top three in the league. If that, yeah, they're, I mean, all, they're all killing it right it's now. It's just you can't throw the ball, and that goes back to you know, kind of transferring into, I guess, our AFC look at you know, with Baltimore coming in. That's really the only issue you have because they they still, and I think they did a great job on Elliott. I mean, what did he have? I think he only had around 130 scrimmage yards on 35 yeah, touches. Yeah, you know, they they limited him. He he got his. He, he's a great running back. He's gonna. He's a heavy. You know, runs downhill. He looks for contact. Can break off some runs, but they limited him. He, he right. got you know four or five yards of carry, and that's all they got. I mean, you're not gonna beat him that way. 
Well, and I think, I think the big thing is, is that, you know, it's such a different offense. It's a different offense than really anybody in the NFL runs. And so when you look at it and just sit there and say, okay, well, what, what are we looking at? Right. It's hard to figure it out. But the thing is, is that Belichick's already seen it once. And yes, they have great players. And yes, I know that, you know, it's not going to be easy to stop them. But with with the benefit of playing them already, and I know we have some stats coming on deck, which which don't actually signal too well for that. But this because this offense is so different, getting the, the looks at it and really understanding how to attack it is really important. And if you look at the Patriots defense, they do a very similar thing where you never know what you're getting from the Patriots defense. That's the that's the key with the Patriots defense is that you look at it and say, okay, how many guys are coming in this play? Who's coming? Where are they coming from? And, you know, and so that's kind of the, those are those questions that you don't really know how to answer. Okay. Are they covering me here? And how are they covering me? And what are they going to try to do to me? And they play in zone. Are they playing man? Like we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And so I think that that's, that's a, a key component to what the Patriots do. It's obviously a key component to what the Ravens do. But the thing is, is that when you look at these offenses at a certain point, at a certain point, these offenses get figured out. And I know Lamar Jackson's a great talent, and he's a very, very, very good player. And I'm not saying he's not. I'm taking nothing away from Baltimore. I think they're legit. They obviously beat the crap out of the Patriots. But even still, you still see it going forward. They're just they're a legitimate threat. But at a certain point, once this offense gets figured out, then the question becomes, okay, now the offense is figured out. Now what can they do? Can they change what they do? to a significant enough standpoint to overcome them figuring something out and stopping them. And I don't know if they can, and maybe they can, but I don't know if they can. I don't think they can because he can't throw the ball downfield. If you've seen Lamar Jackson, he threw, he completed 15 passes. Yeah. He threw five touchdowns, but it's all because they're going play action RPOs. He's sitting wide open crossing routes. I mean, great. Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from him. Like you said, he's been unbelievable this year and and I love his story. Although they're the rival, his story is incredible. It really is. I mean, all the respect in the world to him, but you know, everyone thought this Rams and, and Sean McVay's offense was the next big thing. They have more losses this year than they scored points in the Super Bowl. The Patriots ruined them. They figured them out. Right. And then last year, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, how are you going to beat him? Yeah, he, you know, maybe if he touches the ball in overtime, they win, but they didn't win. They figured him out as well. He, he's right. 0-2 versus the Patriots. The Patriots, you know, once they, once, and I think down the stretch, you know, they get San Francisco this week in Buffalo. This is going to be a test for Baltimore with two very good defenses coming up. It might be a chance where, you know, they, those two teams might be able to scheme something up where it gives them problems or at least shows the Patriots some sort of hints like, Hey, you know, this is how to at least limit them. And, and this is kind of where they struggle. That's why it's so ironic because these next two games for the Patriots are super important for the one seed. You get yep. Houston, you get Kansas City, and like we talked about before, you know, a win versus Houston and a win coast. Kansas City. Yeah, you, you avoid both of them. Two, three, right. Baltimore, Kansas City. You avoid them, either of them, to the AFC Championship game. Huge for the Patriots. And then in terms of Baltimore, they get two tough games versus a 10 and one team and an eight and three team with two very good defenses that might be able to figure something out that can at least, you know, like I said, hint something like, hmm, you know, this is Lamar struggled a little bit here. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, and the Niners defense is really the closest thing. To very good. Defense, and they got speed. You know? 
Oh, and that's the big thing they have. I think their their defensive line is probably better than the Patriots defensive line right now. Bosa's just playing out of his mind. Oh. And they have and they have great, you know, they have great a great secondary too. So it's gonna be interesting to see that matchup. I think the Ravens could win that still. They're at, they are at home, so I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if they won that game. But you know, it's a great opportunity, even if they don't lose, you know, to at least look at it and say, okay, now we have some things we can look at. Now they also lost their starting center for the game for the year. So that's helpful for the Patriots too. In the fact that Patriots are down with the, you know, down to their backup center now aren't the Ravens, but the Patriots have had all year to kind of bring Alex Harris along and the Ravens are just going to have like, you know, a few games to get this guy up to speed. So, you know, could they lose this week? For sure they could. And I think that that's, listen, and we talked about it, you know, we talked about it over Twitter and, and, you know, uh, over the phone too, but like, this is like, they have to get the number one seed and they need Baltimore and Kansas city to be two, three. That's what they need. They have to have that happen. It doesn't matter the order. It makes no difference because if you get the one seed, you're at home. And I, I honestly don't believe there's a team in the NFL. Forget about the AFC and NFC. I don't think there's a team in the NFL that can come into New England and beat the Patriots. I really don't believe that. And so I just think that if you get that one seed, it's so huge for you. That's why these two weeks are so huge for the Patriots. And also, like you said, for the Ravens as well, because yes, they have a one game lead on them, but there's really only like a half game lead because the Ravens are the tiebreaker, obviously. So if you finish with the same record, the Ravens get the one seed. You do not want to have to go to Baltimore in the AFC championship game. You don't want that to happen. No. And, and, you know, I did some digging today because I heard on the radio you know, what's Belichick's record versus, you know, losing to a team regular season and facing off the playoffs. And they said it's got to be pretty good. And, I, you know, just off the top of my head, I said, uh, you know, hold on real, real quick. So I looked it up. And since 2001, I tweeted this out today. After losing to the team in the regular season and then facing off again with them in the playoffs, the Patriots are 2-7 and seven since 2001. The only times they've won after regular season loss was obviously 2001. They lost to the Rams, beat them in the Super Bowl. 2004, beat Pittsburgh then in the AFC Championship game. 2005, they lost to Denver. 06, Indy. 2010, Jets. 2011, obviously the Super Bowl versus the Giants. 2012 versus Baltimore. And 2015 versus Denver. However, only out of seven of those losses, only two were at Gillette. So only, only one. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the two, Jets yeah, in 2010 yeah, in Baltimore yeah. in 2012. Correct. But since that 2012, two, since that 2012 loss, the Patriots are nine and zero at home in the playoffs. So there's no, it's it just you need home field. They're unbeatable right. there. No, you're right, and that's that's the key. That's the key, man. And that stat is scary because you normally think, and like we said, you know, I already said it. Like Belichick sees it, sees an offense, sees a team, and he can scheme them up better the next time. And you know, and it just it hasn't been the case, unfortunately. Uh, when they've lost the game, a lot of times they'll go back and then lose it again. And so that's, that's definitely, uh, not, not very, uh, good news, but like you said, they you also have so That's the key. That's really the key. I that's think that's all in here. We win. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember saying it to you, I texted it to you and I was like, I don't really want to take the heat from this, <laughs> but all, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not truth, necessarily man. a knack on the Patriots. It's just showing in, in it history shows that you need that number right. one seed because yeah. you're going to face, I mean, Grant, they're going to face Houston, Kansas city or Baltimore. One of those three teams, you're going to play probably two of them at some probably. point in the playoffs you and you want them at home because look at the numbers. They win at home. Right. Right. And that's, that's really the key, man. The, the only real key is that you have to have to have that number one seed. And so, you know, look, I mean, 
again, the easiest way to get there is to win both games, right? You win both these games, you win out, and and no one can touch you. You finish fifteen and one, you get the number one seed, and it's it's all locked up and it's easy. Something yeah, tells I, me that's I, not going to happen because I just, no. you know, I, I just that's not the way that's not the way it rolls here. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose to Kansas City. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose Buffalo, this weekend. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to lose to Buffalo at home. I mean, it doesn't very it doesn't happen very often, but you know, it just seems like fifteen and one's a lot to ask. Although, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Obviously, I, I just I look at it and just say, you know, it's 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 a tough road ahead. You get three tough matchups left out of the out of the five. So, you know, and it's, so it, and so does Baltimore. Down. It's right. crazy because right. our next two weeks are huge. You get Houston, Kansas City. Yeah, you know, two playoff teams, two top four teams in the AFC. Whether they mm-hmm. fall there, those are the two top four teams uh, right. out of those. Right, and then Baltimore gets San Francisco and Buffalo. Two very yep. good opponents, two very good defenses, like we talked about. And then they get, I think it's Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, which they should win all three of those yeah. games. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then we get Buffalo, Cincinnati, Miami. Granted, Buffalo's a tough, you know, divisional right. opponent playing home. very well, but that's, that's at home. home yep. Right. And December, week 15, week 16, you're finding your stride then. That, I mean, that's how, they know their identity yeah. as a team. So and the Miami game, I mean, Jesus, it really. Throw me out at quarterback for the Miami. I know in that game, I mean, so it doesn't really matter. Obviously, not to look ahead. Yeah, and you know, you want to take it one week at a time. But for both teams, it's it's like Excuse I said, it's so ironic. It's the next two weeks that decide this, and right. I think too, like you know, it, like we talked about, it's just you need that one seed. You, you need to. You need I to agree. Do it. You need yeah. It. Well, the other thing too that I that I look at it is that you know you want Kansas City to get the three seed, right? Or, you know, at the at the least, you want Kansas City to get the three seed, and so what that means is having them have a worse record than Houston. Let's just say, and they have the head to head Houston. That's the thing. So let's just say that Baltimore loses this weekend against against San Francisco. Well, that's great for you. So it gives you, you know, it gives you some wiggle room if you were to lose a game. You don't want that loss to be against Houston because if that loss is against Houston this weekend. Now Houston gets the three seed and Kansas City gets the four seed. And you got to probably go through Kansas City and Baltimore, you know, to, to get the Super Bowl. So, you know, those are, and look, I mean, there's a million different examples. Look, last year I said the two teams I didn't want to play were the Chargers and the Chiefs, right? That's what I said all year long. I said, I don't want to play the Chargers. I don't want to play the Chiefs. Those are the two teams I want to avoid, right? Then what happens? We get the Chargers week one and absolutely stomp them into the ground, which I should have seen coming because the freaking Chargers, but whatever. And then we have to go to Kansas City, a game which I predicted they would lose. I wrote a whole article about how they would lose. I got I got nonstop grief for it, but I just said, that's how I believe. I, what am I going to do, lie to you? And then they won that game in one of the most epic games of all time. And so, like, how many times did they win that game? 50 times out of 100? 51? Like, you know, so I want more than a 50-50 shot of making the Super Bowl. Like, I just, that's what yeah. I want. And so, you know, so to me, it's. You got to get the one seed and you want Kansas City versus Baltimore in the divisional game. That's what you want. And it doesn't matter who the other team is. Houston, Buffalo, I, I don't name, pick some other random crap team from AFC. Like, like Pittsburgh. Dude, if Duck Hodges, if Duck Hodges uh, comes here in the divisional round, play I mean, we'll beat them 700 to nothing. Like it would just, come on, dude. They like, wouldn't get past midfield. Too. Wouldn't even get past no, midfield. No, it would be, it would be a joke. And, so, and you know, before we get on, yeah. Obviously, we you know kind of got off topic here, not on you know not on stride. Right. I, I wanted right, to talk right. about Harry and Myers and all that, but yeah, I wanted to you know you had said fifteen and one is a lot to ask for, and I think it's very unrealistic for the Patriots. And as good as Baltimore's been, I almost feel like fourteen and two for Baltimore 
is almost more unrealistic. I I can't yeah. see them winning. What it, what would they have won? Like almost. But you it's got to be like nine, ten in a row at yeah, that point. Just, you have a hiccup, especially right. like that. You're right. I just feel like this happens every year, and it's funny because people talk about this every year. How it's like, you know, 2011. How are we going to stop Colin Kaepernick? In 2012, it's how we're going to stop. No, I'm sorry. 2012, it's how we're going to stop Colin Kaepernick. And then 13 was this guy, and then 14 was this guy, and then 15 was this guy, and then 16 was this guy, and then 17 and was that guy. And it's like, you know. And so these questions always come up like these guys are unstoppable. We can't possibly stop them. And then, you know, the NFL figures something out. You get enough tape on them and, and it happens. But a lot of times it's like, well, they're just nasty. Look at the the uh, the uh, Steelers in 04. Like they started out 0-1 and they win 15 straight and then lose to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. But it's, it's you know, it's things like that. I wouldn't be surprised. This team is on a roll, man. Like this team is the hottest team in the NFL. And look, the Patriots are unbelievable. But right now on a neutral site, one-on-one, I mean, it'd be difficult to pick against the Ravens against anybody. And so, like, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see them go 14-2. I understand what you're saying. I think yeah. a hiccup, you know, makes sense. But the way they're playing right now, man, I, I just look at it and I'm like, I, I don't know where the hell it's going to come from. And so, you know, look, I mean, we can go around in circles about this and everything else, and I think, you know, I, I until, in, until I take my last breath, I will hold on and say that the, in the 2015 season, Bill Belichick was afraid of the Pittsburgh Steelers and lost those last two games of the season intentionally so he didn't get the number one seed. You're out of your mind. I know, listen, I know it's insane. <laughs> You're out of your me mind. Another, give me another explanation for what happened in Miami where they ran it 47 times with Steven Jackson. And, and then in New York, when they, call, when they won the coin toss in overtime and elected to they kick lost. off. Give me another reason for both. One thing, fine. Both, come on now. And so, like, I will hold that forever. And then, if Vontez Perfect doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't give Antonio Brown permanent CTE, then Pittsburgh goes into Denver and beats Denver, and then Pittsburgh has to come to New England. And so, like that, to me, as crazy as it sounds, it's like Pittsburgh probably would have won that game. And so that that's the type of stuff where you're like, man, like it just sucks that it worked out that way, but. You know, I just, I think pl- trying to play the odds and trying to figure things out after last year, it's like, it's almost like, why are we doing this? But we get it. First of all, we got to have something to talk about. But, se- but second of all, it's like, you know, I think it's a legitimate concern. I think those two teams in the AFC are the only two teams that can, that can stop the Patriots. And again, home field is all that matters, right? Yes. I guess if the chiefs end up as the, f- as the four seed instead of the three and Houston's the three, yeah, it would I mean, suck get, to play Kansas per- City. They got some problems, you know, right. defensively. And, and that's the thing. So, yeah, it would suck to play Kansas City, but, like, you could score against Kansas City. So the offense is going to be an issue. And and really, then the defense has been dominant, so you just have faith. And in I think the they figured out, them. and we'll see in a couple weeks, they figured yeah. out a way to at least limit Mahomes. I mean, they shut him out the so first too. half. Right. And, they, you know, timely penalties, kind of uncharacteristic Patriot football is what allowed them to come back in that game. But, Pat, before we get uh, Mark on from Houston, um, obviously you want to touch upon, and I think – it's kind of being overshadowed from Sunday. Not overshadowed, but it was a great win, and the defense was was the talk. Yep. But I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that they went into that game with Matthew Slater as their number four receiver. And I know James White gets overlooked as a receiver, and they have Matt Lacoste, right. but like as a wideout, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers showed a lot of praise for a receiving core that is getting old, right? I mean, right. or Dorsett's not old, but no, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I know he's going to want money. And he's on a one-year deal. He could very well walk. He's having a good year. I believe a career year here. Edelman's, you know, so, yeah. 
they're losing two, He's three years of Edelman's career just this year with the amount of targets and hits this guy's taking. I know. Um, it was great to see Jacoby Myers, who came in as an undrafted free agent, and Brady talked about it uh, Monday, how – you know, his story's awesome. What he's been able to do spring and, and now he's just consistently making plays. And then Nikhil Harry, I mean, say what you want first round pick, you know, it's hard to step in week two like that, have that big of a role. And and I know the drop on the sidelines when he was wide open was tough, but uh, he definitely showed some praise that, that, you know, that jump ball back shoulder fade was right. his bread and butter. That's and you're going to see that for a long time. I mean, that was, that was, you know, body control. I thought, I mean, that wasn't on a slush. It was Byron Jones. He did that too. So um, it was, it was great to see. Right. Well, and you know, look, I mean, I think the big thing is that we're just looking for guys that can come in and contribute. And I think that, you know, now, and we talked about it a little bit uh, on the instant reaction show, but it's almost like, it's almost like forced, uh, forced rapport between Brady and the other guys. And so now it's like, Hey, you got no choice. You have to throw to these guys. So we, you know, we targeted Myers nine times and, and look, Myers had a few plays where that he, where he was in the wrong spot or he dropped a pass here or there. And, and, um, and Harry had the drop as well, but I think you saw promising things. And I think I, I, the key for me is very simple, right? The Patriots win by having multiple options at multiple times. Tom Brady needs to go into a playoff game against a good defense and have five different receiving options. He can go to, he can have Edelman. He can have, you know, James White out of the backfield. He can have Rex Burkhead, maybe out of the backfield. He can have Dorsett. He can have Sanu. And then on top of that, now he's going to have rapport with Harry and with Myers, and just being able to say, okay, it's a big situation. It's a big third down situation. I know Edelman's going to get double covered. Sanu's going to have their best other guy on him. So now who am I going to give the ball to? And being able to say, okay, it's Jacoby Myers. He's got a good matchup. He's going to be open. I know he's going to be in the spot he needs to be, and I know he's going to make the catch. And that only happens through reps in the game. And so every single rep they take together in the game is building towards hopefully what's going to happen in the playoffs. Yeah. And obviously the sample size is so small because of the opportunity given to right. him, but I tweeted out Sunday, Jacoby Myers this year went targeted from Brady 19 for 28, 253 yards and 13 first downs on third down. He's five for eight with 52 yards and in five first downs, five of those catches have all gone for first rounds yeah. as an undrafted free agent. If you were Pretty to tell good. me this kid coming, like, come on. I mean that if that doesn't show promise and trust, yeah. I mean, he catches everything. I know he had a couple of drops, but the weather obviously uh, didn't do him, uh, you know, favors. And then that one ball was a dime from Brady, but it was a great play from Heath. And he, I mean, he laid right. the lumber and he, I have a tough time thinking anybody's going to hang on to that ball, but well, I do think um, I actually, I think if that was a clean catch, he probably holds on. It would have been a hell of a catch, oh, but yeah. in the NFL, if you hold on to that catch, if you, you're if insane, you clean catch it, you know, it's a great catch. And so, you know, yeah. Like should he have caught it? I think, I guess maybe. And he'd yeah, probably if you're one of those hits him in drop. the hands type of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, he'd probably consider a drop. I'm sure the Patriots look at it as a drop. But like, you know, it would have been a hell of a catch, especially in that in those conditions. Absolutely. And and like I said, it, that's one of those guys that I, and I kind of want to say it now, like Jacoby Myers is going to have a big role come postseason. He's going to catch four balls, three, five balls for like 40 yards. But yeah. three, four of those catches is going to be Brady's third, fourth read on a second and long, third and short, third and long. It's going to be a big play. I mean, it's kind of he's kind of trending in that direction that we saw Malcolm Mitchell 
you know, in yeah. 2016 where, yeah. you know, other guys are getting shut down and it's Brady, you know, Brady starts looking at him for that second, third read on big situations. I know Dorsett and Edelman are those guys when kind of the going gets tough, especially with Gronk on, those are the guys right. he's looking for, but Myers has done a fantastic job. And then obviously the more we see Harry, I think after last week, very promising despite, you know, the, like I said, the drop and I know the conditions, this will be a good test for him indoors. Yeah. I think this is a, a matchup and we'll get into it in a few minutes where this is when you're going to start to see the Patriots offense get going. Harry's going to have a bigger role and have more confidence. They're going to start to implement him into more ways. And I, I mean, exactly. they, they haven't, and Zolak made a great point that throw from Brady. You haven't seen that throw since Antonio Brown was here week two. They nope. didn't have a back shoulder guy, a red zone yep. threat, and their red zone offense is abysmal. It's abysmal right now. Yeah. Um, and and nice they finally got on. yeah, and they finally got a red zone target where hey, and I think they they wanted that with um Josh Gordon. It just, you know, like we've said uh, multiple times, it just didn't work out. But they finally got that guy that can go up and get it. And then obviously you got Sanu who's a bigger body, but he's going to typically play inside. But somebody's going to go guy. play outside the numbers, mm -hmm. get a one-on-one -on -one with a corner, and he's just going to physically just just beat you just from his you know his skill set. Right. And Harry said he went robot mode. He said, you know, I got myself in a good position, and it was all instinct from there. That's pure skill right. from him. That's his bread and butter. Well, and that's the thing is that you you know what he always had with Gronk was that Gronk didn't need to be open. He just needed to be downfield with one guy on him, not three guys on him. And sorry and, to interrupt because I know you're going to get into it, but they, they might start to use Harry in that Gronk role, seems, right. and, and jump well, and that's, that's what I'm thinking is that then Gronk doesn't, then Harry doesn't have to be wide open. He just has to be there where you can say, I'm going to trust him to beat the guy that's covering him. So, all right, before we get in, we got we have Matt uh, holding, but before we get in, I just want to Carmina. Um, commented here and was talking about the special teams and I thought the special teams just Ryan Allen just quickly had a rough rough game however when it mattered most he stepped up and pinned them deep inside the tent so that's huge and uh and to answer her question she asked you know if if the the defense overshadows the special teams and that the teams don't prepare for them okay teams prepare for the Patriots they're just a better coach than than anyone else and so like it also I just I just love the fact that you know, the, the Cowboys are so poorly coached that it just comes across horribly. And so, you know, yeah, having the defense is great, but like the specialty people prepare for it. They're just not as prepared as the Patriots are. And so it just looks like, wow, oh, what the hell? They, they don't know what the hell they're doing, you know? Jake Bailey had a tough game, obviously, with the rain. And I keep saying the weather, and I don't want to make excuses, but that's tough for a punter. But when it mattered, yep. uh, I think five, six minutes left down him inside the 10. Exactly. And obviously, when you got guys like Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel, the two, best special teamers. And then you factor in guys like Jawan Bentley and Jonathan Jones um, there. It, yeah. it, it's almost, it. I, and obviously you probably know better than me, but it's hard to prepare for special teams, right? I mean, it's, it's basically on the punter and, and, and you got yeah. guys like that. They're going to get downfield. They're going to bring pressure. I mean, how many block kick? They must have like three or four block. It's punts unbelievable. They're like, they figured something oh. out, you know, where they, they can see something and, and that's, jumping over. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. Kicks, but. Yeah. But you're looking for tendencies and stuff, but like, it's hard to find. I mean, you got to look through hours and hours of film to find a tendency on a punt that maybe you'll have one shot in a game to, you know, to go after the guy. Cause you got to look, you know, it's all about the sequencing and where the ball is in position on the field and everything. Else. And so it's like, there's a lot of stuff going on obviously, but you know, I think the Patriots just do, just do such a better job than everyone. And we knew, this was going to be the case last week 
but Jason Garrett stinks as a head coach. And so it helps the Patriots when they're going up against a guy like Jason Garrett because he stinks. And so that helps. I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue this week. I know Bill O'Brien's gotten a lot of slack, but number one, he comes from here. Okay. But the other, the other thing is I think he's a pretty good coach. And so, you know, uh, you know, we'll and, see, I suppose, but, but that's, that's how I feel about Bill. Yeah. To kind of trend into that. I think this off the, the, the Texans have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They can't Deshaun Watson. You want to talk about Brady's time? Like this guy's running for his life and they could, this could be an Andrew luck 2.0. This, this poor guy is uh, so well. talented, but just can't, can't seem to find time with this Patriots pass rush and how you know they can beat you in so many ways and get to the quarterback in so many ways. That's ultimately gonna, I think, the X factor for the game. It's just getting to him tough. and making things, you know, difficult on him, which I don't think they'll have a problem with. Yep. Well, as we're transitioning to that, we have Matt Weston here. He is from the Battle Red blog. That is the SB Nation version of uh the Texans. And so uh he's gonna join us right. Now there he is. What's up, Matt? There, there it is. Hey, thanks What's going for coming on, on man? man. Oh yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about another Texans game against the Patriots, even though they've lost every game to the Patriots this <laughs> decade. And I'm sure this one's gonna go so much better and be so much more fun than you know this previous uh, decade misery against this team. Hey, and you Matt, never know. And we were we were kind of just talking about it, and I guess kind of just getting right into it. Um, obviously. And I was just, you know, complimenting Deshaun Watson, one of the most talented quarterbacks, I think, in the league. And they, they just can't find him an offensive line. He's under pressure, running for his life. And with the Patriots' pass rush and how they can get to the quarterback in so many ways and cause so many problems, that's got to be area number one for them is, you know, giving him enough time to allow guys like Fuller to get you downfield with a deep threat. And I know, uh, the, you know, DeAndre Hopkins playing against Stephon Gilmore. He's been able to, you know, get some catches and, and beat him in some ways. Um, you know, that's got to be obviously, you know, concern number one for, for the Texans. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is for the Texans' pass protection is that they've been good in one versus one blocks. So, like, Larry Tensel against Justin Houston, that's a matchup they won last week. Uh, Ty Tower got beat a little by Jabal Shear last week, too. But, you know, typically throughout the entire season, Whenever it's them against an individual pass rusher, they do a good job picking it up. The problem has been the blitzing. Um, the Ravens did a great job on you know, third and two, even third and four, third and six, and then to blitz on those downs over low side of the line of scrimmage and create pressure like that. And the biggest problem for the Texans was that they came the year using uh, a line, an offensive line combination that they changed in week two and then week three, and they were constantly shuffling and dealing with injuries. And then also you know doing things like starting a right tackle is quickly re replaced the week after. And so it's, it's a blitz has been more of a problem than the individual pass rushes. But the problem is the New England Patriots love to blitz. They have like, you know, 10 guys in their front seven. They're all good uh, football players, all guys that can blitz and create pressure. They also have guys in their secondary too who are really great blitzing too. And that's the biggest concern, you know, from a pass protection perspective for the Texans is just how quickly they can, you know, be able to look at the Patriots blitz schemes pick it up, understand them, and be prepared for it this week because throughout this entire season, they've had problems with it. And two good examples are last week against the Colts, Darius Leonard, you know, blitzes the A-gap unblocked, uh, leads to Deshaun Watson throwing something up in the corner end zone third down. And then also Kenny Moore has slot corner blitz. And, you know, they've been doing that to him for the last two years. They're still not prepared for it. And so that's just the the biggest issue I see for pass protection. But like Chase Winkovich against Larry Tensel isn't a big concern. Um, you know, Lawrence Guy against... You know, Max Sharping could be an issue, but overall, like the one versus one stuff isn't 
isn't like the big like threat entering this game. Right. Well, and I think that's one of the one of the keys against the Patriots. And, and like you said, you know, the Patriots do a good job of disguising what they're doing on defense, where they're they're not that they're not going to do one on ones because of course like, you have to do one on ones in the course of uh, of the game. But for the most part, a lot of times what they're doing is confusion, and so they're dealing with you know. Tunsil doesn't know if it's going to be Winovich coming at him or if it's going to be Hightower or it's going to be Van Noy or he doesn't know what's what's coming. And so I think that's a big thing. They do a lot of games as well where, you know, they'll send the the, the end in and the D tackle outside or the D end inside and the linebacker outside just to kind of throw people off. And especially if that's something that's popped on film, uh, I would think would see a decent amount of that this week. So could set, it could certainly be an area of concern. I think uh, how has Hyde been running? Hyde had been running the ball really well hadn't he and then this week he just got completely shut down by the Colts yeah their their run game is weird where it's mainly set by their passing attack so like they don't have the offensive line it's all the resources they've invested into it so you'll just have like two tight ends or, or one tight end and be going up against the team's front and just you know winning one or moving the line of scrimmage and then blocking the second level they've had problems blocking the second level all year and then whenever you see like a big block by Hyde or a big run by Hyde or a big run by Duke Johnson that's typically because they finally blocked the second level or there's just like an atrocious run fit. Uh, the Jacksonville game is a really good example where Hyde had two big runs and there were just issues where the safety like, you know, comes all the way inside. You have three guys in the A gap and he has right. this entire crease, you know, right open uh, between the, you know, in the B and C gap. So uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's not a very good rushing attack. It's more been propped up by big runs and like whenever it's successful, it's because it's second and two and they're going up against seven guys in the box instead of eight guys in the box. The biggest problem with Texans rushing attack is they love to run the ball first down. They love to try to establish the run. It sucks. It's stupid. It doesn't work. Uh, they had, they had going to last week. If you remove the 33 yard run that Carlos Hyde had, or just the outside linebacker has a bad run phase, able to cut back outside. They averaged 1.4 yards in attempt on first down on the running game. And twelve of those rush attempts. You can't beat the you can't beat the Patriots that way. I'm gonna be straight. Yeah, up. and these are twelve. These are twelve rush attempts. So you have twelve run attempts oh, for you have thirty three yards for one point four yards to carry. And then you have Watson, who's just spectacular and uh, amazing, and all those all those you know superlatives you can say. But again, you're trying to establish the run, bash your right. head, you know, over and over again into the Colts front. So uh, that's the that's the other kind of concern too for you know Texans football. It's that it t- it seems like it takes them thirty minutes to figure things out. They love to run the ball in first down. They like to run the ball in second and 10 sometimes too often too. And it's not like a good rushing attack. It's mediocre. It's fine. It's propped up by big runs. And it's just not as efficient as it should be because the situations they put themselves into. Yeah. Huh. Now you said you gave up. Obviously you guys have given up tons of draft capital, gave up two first round draft picks. I think for Tunsil, I, I, I think you got, you didn't even get a first round pick back for Clowney, did you? Did you get a first no. round pick back? No, right? So you don't even have so you don't have a first round pick this year or next year, uh, because of because of the Tunsil trade. And Has no second round worth pick it? next year either. Oh my god, I know second Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean Tunsil's Tunsil's very good. Like he's like he's kind of boring to watch because he just soaks up every one versus one pass block as a left tackle. Uh the run game he's fine. Like he can do a better job blocking the second level. He just kinda like shoves guys out wide and does a lot of one versus one blocking, but yeah, he's like, you know, he's really good. He's really good as a left tackle. But again, like the problem with pass protection is that it's not just one player. It's an entire right. ecosystem that protects the quarterback. And so you see the same issues with, you know, there are routes being picked up on and nobody being open. And then you see the same issues where they have max protect and only two routes downfield, but it's the same deep crossing routes they've been running for eight weeks. And you see, you know, the same issues of blitz protection too. So, I mean, since was a great player, is he worth two first round picks and a second round pick? 
Uh, I don't think so, but of course the trade looks good right now because they gave up zero uh, present assets for that trade. The entire trade, they will understand the repercussions right. for really until you know, next year, whenever they have a he- expensive roster in two or three years from now, when they'll really feel the ramifications from. But yeah, like Tunsil's great, but there's just so much more that goes to pass protection than that. Right. Yeah. So Matt, obviously JJ Watt is sidelined uh, once again. It's been a, been a tough stretch for him, I think, the past couple of years, and then obviously missing Clowney. Uh, Patriots have had some offensive line problems. Tom Brady's had. You know, not a lot of time to throw the ball, and and I think that's ultimately led to his his struggles. I guess you could say this year, or not. You know, living up to the the normal numbers we've seen number twelve put up. Um, how are, how do you see some ways of them getting to him and, and kind of making getting in his face, making things difficult? Because you know, you give him time to kind of you know sit back there and throw. If he has time, he's going to pick you apart. Yeah, I mean, last week in that Dallas game, a lot of pressure came from their edge. And, you know, Robert Quinn's really fast. Demarcus Lawrence is really fast. They're able to beat, you know, both Cannon and beat, um, um, Isaiah Wynn. They're, and be, I came, I was trying to think of his new house. Isaiah yeah, Wynn. Beat, beat Wynn off the left side. <laughs> Please don't and, say his name on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so like the Texans don't really, they have one player with speed off the edge like that. And that's Jacob Martin. He was one of the guys they got from the Clowney Trans for sack last week with a nice chop rip move against Brain Smith. Mm, uh, Winnie Merciless there. isn't a speed guy at all. He's all you know outside shoulder. He's rip. He's these really long looping pass rushes. He doesn't create. He doesn't get to the quarterback quickly. It's uh, really long developing pass rushes. And so that's kind of like the concern that I see with the Texans pass rush this game is they don't have guys who can win one on one matches really at all anymore. Without Watt, he was the entirety of the pass rush. Merciless requires interior pressure to make his pass rushes meaningful. Martin's like, you know, he's flashes. Like you see like, you know, four or five maybe good rushes in a game, but if you get your hands on him, he's beat. He has to be completely untouched and just win off the snap. So I don't expect the Texans to get much pressure. Uh, the way that I think if they do get pressure, it's going to be from a lot of interior blitzing. So a lot of stunts along the middle with crosses with McKinney and Scarlett. Uh, I like to see Wendy Merciless, you know, maybe rush them from the A-gap. I just see uh, Zach Cunningham and, and McKinney both rush off each other along the A gaps too, and because just I, they don't have the speed on the outside to kind of win the matchups like how Dallas did last week, and that's the probably the best path for them to be able to create a rush. Okay, so it sounds like you're super confident about the game on uh, on Sunday. Zero, zero percent. <laughs> like I'm not even confident it's going to be fun because after that Baltimore game, like. I don't know. Like, I was excited until the Colts game happened, the first one. And then I was like excited for a fun game against Baltimore. Not for them to win, but just for a fun game. Yeah. Seven happened. Hey, I and thought that was like, the game where, you know, coming off the uh, the Super Bowl for the Patriots, we were rooting for the Texans there. Cause that, that's when, you know, yeah. teams like that, like the, you know, the Ravens, they get their Super Bowl win versus the Patriots midseason. And then they just threw a shellacking on, on Houston like they did to us. I mean, they're oh, on a boy. team on the rise, obviously, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and then I mean that be I've, I haven't gone back and looked at all the numbers yet, but I think they're zero and seven to the Patriots this decade, and they've played one fun game or two fun games, the sixteen playoffs, and then you know Watson's yeah. rookie year in seventeen. But other than that, yeah. it's just been you know completely miserable. Yeah, that cat. Yeah, the the Cooks catch in the end. that must have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is like the you're right. The Patriots beat him every year, but it's like he was so close that year, and to lose it last second like that, you know, it's just. I mean, look, we've been there before, not like to that level, but we've certainly been there before. 
Yeah, um, and that was beautiful just because it was even close and fun. You're like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, what hey. in the world is this? <laughs> oh, so this is what happens. You have a quarterback who can just right? lead a team on its own. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, it's one of those things with O'Brien. And, you know, I'm curious about your thoughts about O'Brien because I liked him when he was here. I just, uh, I'm, I'm curious about whether you think he's he can be the guy. And I don't know whether he can be the guy because I feel like what you should be doing and what he's been trying to do is, is build an offensive line for Watson. But to me, you look at what Baltimore's doing and you look at what Kansas City's doing and you look at what these guys are doing and even Dallas is doing. They're building their team around their quarterback and they're letting their quarterback be the number one guy. And he is the entire offense. And he the entire offense runs through him. And like you said, you know, if you're trying to establish the run on first and 10 and then you get nothing and then you run it again on second and 10, like, what are we doing? Like, why won't he just turn the reins over to, to Deshaun Watson? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. And I mean, the best way I, for me to describe Bill O'Brien is that he gets the bare minimum out of the talent in his roster. The Texans have had a talented teams since, you know, this entire decade. They had that one down year in 14, but there was still talent on it. Uh, or I guess in 13 was that one down year. They went two and 14, but it was still mm. talented. They just had, you know, a season from hell. Uh, 17 is kind of similar to like there was talent on the roster, but Watson towards ACL, they had a bunch of injuries right. and, yep. you know, and that whole sort of thing happened too. But I mean, I think he gets the bare minimum of, of, you know, production from his roster. Uh, I think like other coaches out there, you know, you get less wins than probably expected because of the coaching. I think he's very mediocre. I think he's gotten better at some things, but like you mentioned, I think the biggest problem is that he hasn't fully let, you know, Watson loose. And that, and whenever he does, like it works out very well when they run a lot more you right. know, jet sweep motions and down City. Yeah. Well, and even that Kansas City game, like that was cool because it was an offense developed specifically to beat the Chiefs in their bad yeah. linebacker play. But right. then he sticks to the offense against the Colts and doesn't work because they have great linebackers. And then they run the same offense to the Ravens, it doesn't work because they have good linebackers too. Right. And so it just takes them like too long to adjust and figure things out. Uh, I mean, like really like the offense is at its best when they're throwing the ball downfield, but then like Will Fuller's hurt. And even though they have Kenny Stills and some other guys, you can you know, still be used in that way. He completely stops doing it. And so I think he tries to do like the sure. bare minimum to win games. And he ends up in a lot of, you know, coin flip games. And he also sticks on things too long, which leads to games like Baltimore. They're completely blown out too at the same time. So like, he's fine. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he, unless the Texans develop some complete roster, that's you know, spectacular. I don't think Bill O'Brien's the guys going past you know the divisional round or even past an a, or even in, you know past an AFC championship you know, potentially. I think they're just kind of stuck where they're at the moment. And let, and the only thing that's going to change that is if Watson even takes another leap forward, which you could entirely happen because of how great he is. But I think Houston's just kind of like in a in a you know a, in like a divisional round purgatory at the moment. Okay, with him as that coach. Okay. Well, listen. Here's what I'm going to do. I, we get a few questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch. The view. Can I do that? Yeah. Yes, I can. Oh, baby. I am like completely out of focus here. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm going to do, I get a few, uh, I get a few quotes here. I didn't want to block your face. So Carmina says, does anyone ask Deshaun Watson to stop doing his amazing breakdowns in his post-game press? He's, he's, he's giving he's away not, too much information. Not- <laughs> uh, I don't know. You can thank Rivers McCallum for that. He used to write for our side, and then he in a bride for football outsiders. He's kind of doing his freelance stuff. If you want to like, you know, listen to reading anybody else who's good, write about the Texans at Rivers McCallum's really good, but he was the one who's been clipping a lot of his post game press conferences. He's been doing the same thing for the opposing team too. I don't know if somebody said to stop asking, but he hasn't done that in a little while. Uh, I think it was the guy who covers the Texans for the athletic Aaron rice. Who's asking those questions. And, I don't know if something has changed at all since then, but 
I know Rivers was the one who was posting a lot of those clips, but yeah, you're right. I haven't seen those in a, in a bit. Maybe okay. it's just because the defenses have been, you know, too vanilla or something. For Maybe, yeah. Dawn. I have no idea. I don't know. It's almost like, here's what, here's exactly what we did. And O'Brien was like, shut up, would you please? <laughs> <laughs> Hard enough time drawing up plays. All right, and then one more, which I think is comes back to kind of that blitz uh, that blitz stuff. Carmina's got a lot of good questions today. Uh, has Watson been good at recognizing defenses and changes of protection or play call? So I think this kind of comes back to, you know, you said they struggle with, uh, you know, with the blitz. And this kind of comes back to, is it more on Deshaun or is it more on the offensive line? Uh, I think the biggest problem that, you know, Watson has, like, I don't know what, you know, leverage or ability has to change things up in the line of scrimmage. You know, I'm not in the room at all. I'm, you know, I'm in my mother's basement looking at the Taco Bell <laughs> sign in my backyard. So I don't know what they have going on in interior. But I mean, a lot of the, the blitz pickup problems are just offensive line issues. Uh, not switching things to the right spot. You know, sticking too long one block, not peeling off on the other. But the biggest problem Watson has is that he, you know, tries to, he, he holds on the ball too many times. Um, he tends to long out the play when he should instead of find the check down option. But they really haven't, to, haven't like, implements a lot of really good hot routes in their offense. Like Kiki Cutie's never worked out all this year. Duke Johnson mm-hmm. is on the field enough as a pass catcher. Um, there's like, you know, the check down stuff isn't there. And also the other thing too, it's like they're seven and four because of Watson elongating the play and being right. spectacular and, you know, making eye gouging touchdowns, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, he's going to take some sacks. He's going to make some mistakes, but really like that's what has gotten this team to the point where it is. So it's, it's fine. Like I'm fine with him taking a, a 12 yard sack on third and 10 to try to make something you know great happen because yeah. that's what's that's, you know, that's who he is one right? games from already this year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I think that's all we got, my man. Uh, why don't you, before you leave, before we let you go, why don't you uh, just plug yourself? Tell us where, you know, where you, where you come from and where, uh, where we can find you and everything else. Yeah. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at MBW nine, eight, seven. All right. Uh, for Friday, you know, whenever your belly is all full and you're, you know, constipated and hungover, I'll have an article about the Texans, Patriots, you know, kind of matchups this decade. It's be very sad. It's be fun to ride and kind of like go back and think about all the bad things that have happened. Uh, and then Saturday morning, I'll have you know a game preview where there'll be lots of film and numbers about the Texans, Patriots matchup specifically. And then uh, if you ever want to listen to a Texans podcast, Valred Radio's out there. And even if you don't want to listen to it, just give it five stars, you know? Yeah. It's pretty a little easy. download, you know? How about, the, like, uh, yeah. how about the SB Nation crew, you know? Yeah. Like uh, the, I saw him on the live stream. He was a lot uglier than I expect him to be. Uh, five stars. <laughs> I was actually going to say, you're a lot better looking than I thought you were going to be. Well, that works because, out too. You know, better. your picture is like a tumbleweed. So I figured, I'm like, oh, this guy must be super ugly. He doesn't want to put his face on, on his picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess so it works out so all right matt well thank you for coming on i really appreciate it and uh you know best of luck on sunday we'll you know we'll see what happens and uh thanks for everyone for listening and we'll we'll talk to you next week take care guys thanks matt yeah today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.